Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on Crack Sidewalks. Dot com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush here with you, and uh, Phil, it's been a pretty good week. Yeah, we 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 got everything we wanted, and and then and then even a little extra. Your Marquette Golden Eagles are on a little bit of a roll, and we're going to talk about what's been going so well, if we think it's going to continue, and what we think the second half of the Big East slate looks like. As we look ahead to National Marquette Day, we'll talk about that a little bit uh, a little bit later in the show. But yeah, it's, it's an off week for Marquette. They have no midweek game this week, so they have a full week off. Phil, looking at the week, though, first of all, obviously, the obvious thing, Marquette has won six in a row, so starting to stack up wins, as you phrased it a couple weeks ago, and things have been looking up. I, I would start by just characterizing last week as uh, just a week of pleasant surprises from a roster standpoint. Wasn't sure if we would have Chase or Cam. Uh, Chase came back, looked good. Cam came back, looked great. Uh, two wins, so a lot to be excited about. Where do you want to start? Oh well, I think I think I just want to generally talk about before we get into the game specifically. Just you know, and you kind of hit hit it right. The overall health of the team, right? We know we know Sean Jones isn't coming back this season. He did did successfully have surgery by all accounts and is is back on the bench now, but. You know, getting Chase Ross back as, you know, and quite frankly, between both the Villanova and Georgetown games, he looks healthy and hungry, right? And then we got uh, Cam Jones back who, you know, <laughs> I, I, I kind of wish Shaka would, would, would start lying about some things because in his, in his post game and, and some interviews, uh, he talked about, well, you know, we didn't know we were going to have Cam Jones. We didn't have him in the starting lineup. And then, sure enough, the staff told me he could go, and, and off he went. And he had a heck of a game against Georgetown. But it's like, can you just, like, just say, yep, we knew he was going to be in, and, and then he was in because it, like, it just is confusing. But, boy, did Cam Jones look good on Saturday, which which means the team is back to, for all intents and purposes, full strength. They've got a week's rest. And they look like they might be ready to hit the last month of the season ground running, which is really all you can ask for at this point in the season. Yeah, things are looking up. Still some road to go, but you know, I, I think that that maybe that short little lull that Marquette hit there, and I think we can attribute a lot of it to injuries slash maybe just an unexplainable shooting funk. But uh, the team's been hot. I mean, Marquette has shot above 44% from three in four consecutive games now. Mm. That's going to boost that overall team three-point percentage shooting number up a little bit. We're now uh, Marquette is now mid in the uh, middle of the country uh, on Kent Palm at 167. It was below 200, and so now it's climbing up to 34% of the team. And uh, I don't know if they're going to shoot 44% every night, but if they want to, that'd be super. But just to see that number improve and just uh, see it consistently, four games in a row at 44% or better, that was certainly encouraging. When they do that, I feel like that's kind of a point we've beaten to death, but it's true. is When this team is making outside shots, uh, it opens up so much more. And when they're shooting it better than 40% of the team as a team, they're pretty tough to beat. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, and it's a question of chicken the egg kind of situation because their two-point shooting has come up as well. I mean, they've they've essentially shot um, north of north of 55% from two in the last eight games, you know, during that winning streak. So um, they are, you know, the, the offense is seemingly coming back to itself, right? I think some of that was, um, you know, Marquette going in and, and having some self-reflection. Like you said, some of it is coming back to health. And, you know, some of it is, you know, that positive regression to the mean, right? They were not a 31% shooting three-point team. Now, I don't also think they're a 44% free throw shooting or a three-point shooting team. But but the truth lays somewhere in their middle there. And if they can just get to that, you know, where they, they hold steady at, you know, maybe 34 35 36% through the rest of the season, I think that really does a lot to generate um, some positive positive outcomes for the team, right? Not only is it the points they're generating, uh, but the more buckets that they get, the fewer runouts other team gets, right? Because, you know, when especially on those long threes, when you when you miss, that the rebound does weird things, and some teams can get off and running, which puts pressure on Marquette's transition D uh, and all of those things. So making more shots, helps in a whole bunch of ways and and we're seeing it again they you know those eight wins are against you know not the highest class of 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 quality but you can only play the teams that are in front of you and they are winning those games so that's that's got to count for something yeah, let's dive into the last two wins a little bit more i'll start with the villanova game because the georgetown game as fun as impressive as it was that was kind of an expected outcome and maybe they blew georgetown out by more than even we expected, Phil, but uh, I, that Villanova game kind of, I don't know if turning point is the right word, but it was really kind of a, an inflection point, I guess, because, you know, if, if you lose that game, you're staying pretty far back in, in the you're in the middle of the pack in the Big mm-hmm. East. You're kind of glumped, clumped in there with a lot of those other teams that have four or five losses. But when you're able to get a sweep of Villanova, by the way, Shaka 6-0 and now against Villanova as Marquette's head coach. Will he ever lose you to Villanova, of, some are asking. Uh, he did lose to them twice at his previous stops. Uh, I actually had to look that because I, I, I've, I've said several times that he's undefeated as uh, Marquette's head coach because I just kind of wanted to hedge because I wasn't sure if he had played Villanova previously. He did. Actually, his last year at Texas and his last year at VCU, uh, he played Jay Wright's Villanova Wildcats and lost both those games. So he's 0-2 before Marquette, 6-0 since coming to Marquette against Villanova. But who knows? He may never lose to Villanova again. Hopefully that continues. But as I was saying, if you get the sweep over Villanova, you kind of keep the Wildcats at arm's length in the standings, and Marquette's able to kind of stay in that top three, where we essentially thought they would be all season, was in the top three in the Big East. And uh, you look at the schedule going forward, not that there are too many games, and not that there are like a lot of locks ahead, but Villanova was one of those, Villanova on the road was one of those games you really weren't sure about if, you know, that was going to be a win or not, because there's a lot of on Ken Palm, a lot of games that are like 60% chance of winning or better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Villanova was, was one of the few projected losses remaining on the schedule, according to Ken. Excuse me, according to Ken Palm. So to get past that one kind of gave you a little breathing. Like, okay, wow, you, you beat the expectation. So maybe your projected win total is a little bit higher. And also you keep Connecticut like 
within eyesight. I, I still maintain Connecticut does not seem catchable, but with each win, you see it's mathematically possible. So for like all those reasons, the win over Villanova felt like, felt like an important game in the season. And you know, going into that game, we were not we knew we wouldn't have Cam, and we weren't sure we were going to have Chase. And all of a sudden, oh, Chase plays, uh, right. and so that was a nice boost. And then Tyler has a career game. So th- that like they got off to that run, they built a 20-point lead, and then the 20-point lead went away in the second half, but I thought it was still admirable that they were able to withstand Villanova's best punch and still pull out a win. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and lost in there was, the uh, in a little bit of that, was they got out to a big lead, and then Trey Norman got, you know, inadvertently kneed in the head or... or you know, fell down on a on what should have been a foul, right? If Marquette's not up 17 or 18 that early, they they call that a foul every time. So the bench got shorter even than it was supposed to be, right? They they didn't have Cam, but like you said, uh, Chase Ross came back, and not only did he come back to play, he came back in a big way. Um, you know, he had a career high 31 minutes in that game, which is remarkable considering, again, Shaka said in his post game. That, that Chase Ross was only cleared for contact and to play the day before. So he hadn't had a full contact practice in almost a month, practiced the day before, and then turned around and played 31 minutes, which is a career high at Villanova. And we needed every one of those minutes because, again, they got out to the big lead. Nova seemed like they were, you know, you mentioned in the previous podcast that, that grown there were reports of uh, of booing in the Finneran and 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 you know the the fans kind of turning on Villanova. So you thought that that gasp was going to come and and Villanova was just going to fold and and Marquette could cakewalk and it and it seems like maybe even Marquette thought that was going to happen. And then with six seven minutes left in the in the first half, Villanova went on a tear and you know and qu- quite frankly they just got really physical and and Marquette didn't respond well, but. But again, Mar- Marquette responded overall, and it was a game of runs, right? I think Marquette was on like a, a 36 to, to 10 run, and then Villanova had a 30, 34 to 10 run. And, and then, you know, Marquette had another, I think, something like a, a 19 to 2 run to, to close out the game or, or, or something to that effect. Um, but, um, you know, it was really kind of a back and forth affair. But considering the the injury situation, the uncertainty, um, I, I, I'd say it was a pretty impressive victory to, to go on the road, uh, get out to a big lead, get punched, and still you know still manage to, to pull off pull off a victory. It was yeah, it, it was a vintage Tyler Kolick effort, especially mm-hmm. uh, you know just thirty two points, nine assists, six rebounds. Talking a little noise, you know, he definitely heard some of the chants from the Villanova student section, and he fed off of it. And he even said, you know, said after the game, he said, "I love that." Uh, and he had a lot of fun. Um, I guess is thirty-two a career high for him. It is. Um, yeah, so career high for Tyler in points, nine assists in the game, and yeah, just uh, to anytime you win it in Fitter and Pavilion, no matter what state Villanova is in is going to be a, a pretty notable win. The fact that Shaka is 3-0 and there now is, or 3-0 and at on the road against Nova, I should say, is um, pretty remarkable. So keep that going. And, yeah, you know, Phil, you had a pretty good breakdown 
um, if people missed it on Twitter, uh, talking about Marquette's defense and how connected they were, and like uh, it may be a, a thing that you put out there every now and then is some film breakdown, but I thought that one particular play where you broke down the defense and how they kind of were staying connected and how Oso kind of roped Justin Moore into making a bad pass and Tyler read it all the way for a steal. I thought that was a pretty cool breakdown. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, it was, it was fun doing. And, and yeah, and, and I, I think that's going to be the, the key to this team going forward is, is that connectivity, right? I think one of the big things, you know, I, that Shaka tends to say, say a lot of things. And I think some people might view them as platitudes, but, and, and maybe they are to a certain extent, but they are still key elements that they're looking for. And the, the connected nature allowed Marquette to to be successful in that game. And, and in fact, based on some of the Ben Steele reporting, it's probably part of what led to the poor shooting or the bad, poor outcomes, you know, in December and, and, and January was just that they lost that connectivity, right? Taylor, Tyler wasn't playing with that edge. Um, they weren't, you know, communicating effectively. Uh, those types of things. And you saw in that Villanova game was a perfect example of where that team, you know, everybody's playing their position. They're helping the right amount. They're talking the right amount. Um, and it can result in in Marquette being very successful. So that was um, that was pretty cool to see. And yeah, we'll, we'll see. You know, it's a it's a bit of a new thing. We'll see how often how often we do it. But uh, um, yeah, keep an eye out for breaking eggs as we uh, as we go through and, and break down some various plays of uh, throughout the Marquette season. And 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 again, it just feeds into what this team is capable of. Um, you know, when they are playing, you know, playing that smart, intelligent, connected baseball or basketball, excuse me, they're not playing baseball. Or basketball. Maybe they play great baseball too. I don't know. Could they be. they yeah. always have that, they always have that team softball game in the spring. But, um, you know, one thing that kind of jumps out to me, Phil, is just the fact that this team was able to go through a lull and not quit as a team, like on, at, as the season overall, like uh, Ben Steele wrote an article about how apparently they had a, a team meeting uh, over Chick-fil-A, of all things. And, yeah, I guess maybe you can solve some problems going to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> right. Spicy chicken sandwiches cured many a bad day for me. But, yeah, it was, it was just uh, most of the starters. It was definitely Tyler and Cam and Oso, and I think Stevie was there as well. And um, they just kind of talked about what was going on and just kind of had a – come to Jesus meeting, I guess, just to talk about is talk as team leaders. And there's an old expression in, in, in sports that I think rings true sometimes that winners win and losers meet, but sometimes a team meeting can actually, you know, maybe sort some things out. And uh, I think the fact that they, for the most part, have really just been able to trust the process, right? I, I think, I don't think they've made like any huge adjustments schematically, either offensively or defensively. They've just been trusting that the shots they've been taking from three are good shots and they're going to start falling again. And, you know, you maybe work tweak on it a little bit in practice as far as your shot and making sure you're still in rhythm and still you like everything about your jump shot. But as far as the shots they've been taking, they were always good shots. They just didn't fall as much. Right. And now they're starting to fall again and things are going better. And so I think the fact that they trusted that process didn't really change much. Maybe uh, I, I don't even though that the effort on defense is that much better now than it was when they hit a bit of a skid there. Uh, I don't think they were playing poorly defensively back then, but I don't know, maybe there's a little more energy now. And plus, when you're making shots on the other end, it kind of feeds into the confidence on the defensive end. So I, I think it's 
Uh, a good sign going forward as we enter the back half of the Big East Conference play that, yeah, they, they can take a punch and get knocked down, but they can also get back up and just and just keep going and have another good game. Right, absolutely. Well, and, and again, I think one of the things we need to account for is the fact that, um, is, you know, we, we talked about the injuries. Um, so it's not just that you lose that player, but you now lose that player and the, and the lineup combination that player has been in, right? You lose Chase, you lose a Sean Jones, um, you know, you lose Cam at, at some point. You're now running different lineups than you've ever run before in the season. So, like, you know, and the whole team can communicate, but if, if you've got people playing different roles, different positions within, um, you know, various lineups, that's going to take a little bit of time to kind of figure out how that all works together and how that goes. Right. And so the, the, the team is starting to figure that out right now, you know, they figured out how to play without chase and without Sean. Now they've got chase back. It looks like they got cam back. Now they can kind of get back into some more of those, those familiar uh, lineups. And, and again, the rotations will be the same or similar to what they were in the past. So, so hopefully, like you said, they, they hit a skid, um, they had some some kind of mental stuff to work out. They've they fixed that, so to speak, or at least it seems like they have. And uh, uh, and away we go. And and the other thing, you know, speaking to the Tyler Edge, uh, I think I think it was the Ben Steele um, story on on Tyler Kolick after the Villanova game. The story just that just cracks me up is that um, when you know when they were doing introductions for Villanova the crowd booed Kyle Neptune, or at least some of the crowd. It was at least audible to the uh, uh, to the Marquette players. And Tyler Kolick basically was like, I love that. I fed off the energy. You're going to boo your coach? They're vulnerable. I'm going to – and, like, just that killer instinct, I can't – I can't – it's been a long time since there's been a Marquette player that's just have that killer instinct that's like, we are yeah. going to absolutely destroy them. Yeah, I, I love his leadership in that regard. And yeah, they took the, they never let the fans get into it. Uh, well, not never, but they really took the fans out of it for the first 15 minutes of the game. Now, the fans got right back into it when Villanova went on their run and took the lead. But again, to their credit, Marquette didn't let that lead, that deficit, get any bigger than four. They came back, had a run of their own, and all of a sudden Marquette was up six. And Marquette really never looked back after that little run. Right. So, yeah. So, but yeah, I agree. Like, you know, Marquette has had many good players uh, and maybe quite a few that are better NBA prospects than Tyler, but just the, uh, a, a guy with that edge who really gets under the skin of opposing fans and not only gets under their skin, but plays at a level that makes them have to respect him. Right. Like, right. As opposed to just maybe a guy who's annoying because he fouls a lot or flops a lot or, you know, commits dirty plays and people hate him that way or just talks too much. Right. Right, a guy who is actually good enough, like he backs up all the smack talk, and he's so good that you just kind of have to res- begrudgingly respect him um, because he is that talented. Marquette hasn't had many guys like that, um, so yeah, it's, it's I'm glad he's on our team and not any other team in the Big East. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and it's good to, you know, and and again, he went off for, for 32 points. The shooting was back. He was, he was aggressive, assertive, but not, you know, he took over that game more than just as a, as an attacking player, right? Like he still had nine assists and nine and six defensive rebounds, right? Like mm-hmm. that was not Tyler going hero ball. That was Tyler. Right. He wasn't just chucking it out there for right, sure. Right. That was him going, all right, they need me to step up in this moment and get a basket. I get a basket the next time down. I'm going to get an assist and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to generate for my team. So, and his turnovers were low too, right? That was the other thing, you know, and, and you kind of get, you know, not that Tyler is a, you know, a high turnover machine, but you're going to expect he tries some things. He does some stuff that's going to generate a few extra turnovers than, than you might otherwise see. But, but that's the other thing over the last couple of days is he's been our last couple of games. He's been pretty good about maintaining, um, you know, low turnovers, high assist rate, scoring points. Um, you know, it, it just bodes well. Marquette is really starting to, to kind of come into shape for what will be the toughest part of um, maybe not its entire um, schedule, but certainly the toughest part of its conference schedule here in the next month. Yeah, because right now they're in the middle of four of five on the road. Because right. they were at Nova, at Georgetown, check, check, won both of those. They get St. John's at home this week, then two more road games uh, at Butler. It's never going to be easy to go to Hinkle. And then, of course, the big one at Connecticut on the 17th. But, yeah, like it, this this is probably one of the more grueling parts just because of the travel. Uh, I think maybe down the stretch when you've got Providence, Creighton, Providence at Creighton, Connecticut at home, back to back to back, that is also going to be a little challenging. Uh, not a little, that's going to be a lot challenging. So there's still plenty of challenges to come, but being right in the middle right here of four or five on the road, it's pretty, you know, it's not easy. And they've handled it pretty well so far, having won six straight. And uh, I like their chances against St. John's at home, but we'll get the, to that in a minute. But, yeah, they, they seem to be locked in, and there's just kind of good vibes with the team right now. Right. Yep, yep. And and it and it really showed in that, uh, in that Georgetown game, didn't it? Uh, uh, yes, it did. Yes, it did. I, 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 I don't exactly want to clown Georgetown too much, or maybe I do. But well, I um, mean, the team already did. Yeah, Georgetown. Look, they're not good, and Mark, they, uh, they Marquette just went in there and absolutely took care of business. Cam, you know, I saw Cam Jones was starting, and I'm like, well, I wonder how much he's actually going to play. And then he goes out and has a career game of his own, 31. I believe is a career high for him as well. Yep. Um, at Marquette, uh, he goes seven of nine from three. I mean, that'll help his three-point shooting numbers on the season. He's up to thirty-seven percent now on the year. Uh, looked confident going to the basket. He was twelve of fifteen from the field, so he was both good from three-point and two-point range. Uh, didn't look very, didn't look slow at all. Really, uh, looked like he was moving well. He only p- played twenty-one minutes total, uh, but it felt like a lot more because when he was out there, he was just bombs away from three. That shot looked pure, uh, and. You, Georgetown, again, they, they were really never in it. Um, that is just a disconnected team. You want to talk about connected and disconnected? I mean, you talk about that was a yin and yang type game. Marquette is a team that's playing together, communicating offensively and defensively. They were in sync. And Georgetown absolutely was not on either end. Yeah, they... I think Georgetown... It looked like their Those guys right now... Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, they are probably at the point in the season... One and nine in the league, where 
you know, they know it's nothing special is happening this year. Guys on that team are starting to think about the portal or if they're going to be told they need to go into the portal. Um, so a lot, I think a lot of those guys are starting to think about next year right now. Right. I, I think it, I think it shows, but yeah, I, again, a taking care of business type of day for Marquette. They were heavily favored. Uh, thing is, uh, they were heavily favored by like you know twelve on the road. That's a heavy favorite to be favored by double digits on the road. And they went out and blew them out, ninety-one to fifty-seven. Uh, zero complaints for me in that one, Phil. I mean, just absolute domination from tip to buzzer. Yeah, well, and and I was a little surprised slash nervous that that Cam Jones was starting. Um, you know, I, I, I you and I had had either messaged and or or chatted about it on Twitter and some other things that. Um, you know, that we would be comfortable with Georgetown. And, and I think had Cam Jones not played, it still we still would have won in by significant digits. Um, but yep. uh, I, I would have been comfortable with Cam Jones not playing at all to, to rest that, that leg. Um, it sounds like it was a rolled ankle versus like a sprain or, or anything like that. Um, so, you know, <laughs> you know um, the, the staff... Trust them. All right, let them make the right calls. So he went out there, just absolutely destroyed Georgetown in in a scant twenty one minutes. Right, like he got a career high in one of his lower lower uh, number or lo- lower minutes played outings, um, and the whole team just looked, you know, looked solid. Um, and it was a bit of a clown show for for Georgetown, even at one point at the end of the game, and I just was dying laughing. Where where uh, um, they called a ball out of bounds on Chase Ross, um, and it clearly wasn't. They they called it a Georgetown ball, and Chase Ross. The camera caught Chase Ross chatting with uh, um, with Pat Driscoll, the official, and, and like you can literally see Driscoll being like, "Come on, man, look at the scoreboard. Um, you know we're not we're not going to worry about that one." Uh, so it was it that was a well timed game, right? Low minutes for everyone. The most minutes played was Oso at twenty eight, which is like nothing minutes for him. He's been averaging thirty four, thirty five, thirty six minutes. So everyone had low number of minutes. Uh, again, everyone's kind of coming back to health, figuring out who they are and what what they are collectively as a unit. Um, that was as perfect an outcome as we could ask for, I think. Yeah, by the way, Paint Touches shared that video of Pat Driscoll saying, man, look at the score. Absolutely hilarious. Just scroll back on Paint Touches' timeline on Twitter. You'll see it. I, I got a good laugh out of that, too. He's like, you know, I, I get it. You know, you know, just like Chase wasn't being a jerk about it. He was like, hey, man, you know, you kind of missed that one. And Pat's like, does it matter? <laughs> like, like, let's get this thing out of here. Let's all go home. Uh, but, yeah, that was funny. And, yeah, it, it, it's embarrassing for Georgetown for sure, but – I don't care because if and when they're ever good again, they'll be obnoxious about it. So we can clown them now while we can. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly agree with you as far as minute when you can get two minutes from the walk-ons. You'd love to see that, <laughs> right? right. Just get right. those guys in, get get some shots, and let them get out there and have some fun. Get Al Amadou some minutes. Al Amadou, you know, seven, seven seven minutes and three fouls. That's impressive. Yeah, hey man, just get in there, get your fouls, get your money's worth, man. I'm not sure how many more minutes Al's going to get the rest of the season, but he got those in, so hey, good for him. Um, but yeah, it was yeah, I to none of the starters played 30 minutes. It was a good not, even though they don't have a game during the week this week to know that they kind of had a relatively easy game on Saturday and then have this whole week to rest up, ice up, 
you know, get treatment on whatever nagging injuries they may have, but but they all sure look pretty spry on Saturday, and so they should be, you know, fresh as a daisy this coming Saturday against St. John's. Yeah, it's and, and he, everything yeah. you could have wanted. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, just, and that's that, all we wanted. Yeah, that we we wanted come away healthy. The team is is probably since the beginning of the season, with, with all due respect to Sean, the healthiest they're going to be going into that St. John's game. Right? They get a break. They had an easy game against Georgetown. You know, certainly Chase and, and Cam are back now. So if if we can put together and and it's been useful, right? Like if we even the losses or or kind of the downtimes uh, during during the January, right? We got Zade Lowry, Trey Norman. They're they're getting more minutes. They're getting you know I'm I'm comfortable if Zade has to be out there for you know three four minutes at a time because of foul trouble or what have you. So you know so that's been useful in terms of getting. Uh, getting a roster to the point where, hey, we've got eight or nine players that we can go to war with. We get healthy. We can make it through that last month, which is going to be, you know, a brutal stretch between the, the 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 away versus home games and the fact that we have to play, you know, three games against two against UConn, one against Creighton. It's going to be this is the stretch run, and it's going to make, you know, if we talk about the conference standings. You know, we're going to have to win a lot of games for this next month if we want to have a shot at that at that conference championship, right? Yeah, a shot at the conference championship, but also you do want to make sure you win enough to make to secure a top five seed, make sure you're not playing on Wednesday in the Big right. East tournament, which, you know, Marquette's not in danger of that right now, but if, you know, you go out and you lose three out of four somewhere, well, all of a sudden that's very possible because there's quite a bit of cluster between two and nine in the Big East because Marquette's at alone in second right now at eight and three, but only three games behind them is Providence and Villanova and St. John's. They're all tied for seventh. So that occupies spots seven through nine. So uh, you could, you could fall from top half of the league to the bottom half of the league very, very quickly. So, but yeah, Marquette is in a position to do both. I mean, if, if, if Marquette struggles, yeah, they could fall to the bottom half of the league very quickly, but also if Marquette can get hot, they can also keep the you know make sure UConn doesn't run away with this thing. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's kind of what Connecticut is thinking about right now is if they keep winning, they could put all but put the league away on the 17th when they host Marquette and kind of get a head-to-head win over Marquette and like stretch their lead out to three games, and that would probably be about it. Um, like nothing would probably stop UConn from getting the regular Big East regular season title. But if Marquette keeps winning. Marquette can go into that game on the 17th and maybe pull a bit of a surprise. All of a sudden, the conference title race is a little tight, and it might get exciting down the stretch. I'm hoping for excitement and being annoying, but before we get to that, Marquette has two other games to worry about. But the important thing is Marquette has been able to right whatever had been ailing them. They have gotten, like you said, as healthy as they're going to get because they're not getting Sean back, but they have Chase and Cam back now. And now there's reason for optimism that yeah, even if they don't win the Big East regular season, that they will be able to play their way into a top two seed in the NCAA tournament. Yep. I mean, I think they're tracking there right now. I haven't looked at any bracketology lately, but I think they're in that low two, high three range at right now. And Not that the AP poll means all that much, but they'll, they might be in the top five in the new AP poll when it comes out on Monday because there was uh, quite a few losses in the top ten. A lot of top ten teams played each other. But the point is Marquette is kind of – 
really secured its place right now as a legit top 10 team in the country, whether you're looking at polls or metrics. Right. And, and again, you know, if we're talking about expectations and stuff like that, you know, Marquette is back to playing like and looking like a top 10 team, right? They, they certainly weren't there um, in early to, to mid January. Um, but they're, but they're now at least the way they're playing, they are, they are playing like a top 10 team, which doesn't mean that they can't lose. Um, but it gives you an opportunity, um, to, to play into that top seed. Right. And, you know, mathematically they're not eliminated, right? If, if, if Connecticut wins out except for Marquette, the, the Marquette games and Marquette wins out. So Marquette sweeps, Connecticut wins all their games and Connecticut wins every game, but the Marquette games, they finish, they, like you said earlier, they are last, last uh, podcast, they would be tied. So they would be co uh, leaders, but you know, or co co champions of the regular season, big East, but Marquette in, in theory would have the tiebreaker because, you know, obviously they had be- beaten Connecticut. So it's not like Marquette has to count on others helping them to, to win a, a, a regular season Big East title. Their, their fate is in their own hands, but that's an awfully tall task to, you know. To, yeah, it would be nice there. if somebody helped out. Like right. if somebody else wants to beat Connecticut, that would be like sweet. If somebody else wants to kind of chip in here. <laughs> that, that would, Do something. Maybe one of the teams that's beaten Mar- Yeah, maybe one of the teams that's beaten Marquette, if you could turn the tables and beat Connecticut too. How about Butler? Butler's gotten road wins at Marquette and at Creighton, and they have a chance to complete the trifecta on Tuesday because they, they visit Connecticut. What would How crazy would that be if Butler, uh, a team that most people, ourselves included, did not think much of in the preseason, has actually been quite competitive and had a nice year. So tip of the old cap to Thad Mata. But... Uh, I would greatly appreciate it if Thad would pull off an upset uh, in Connecticut on Tuesday. But yeah, you look at Connecticut's schedule, and this is the the big reason. Like I say, Connecticut does not seem catchable. You look at their schedule. Like how many teams in the Big East can beat Connecticut? Right. Really. I, you know, their schedule coming up for again. I feel like we're really looking ahead here, but that's what we do. We're a podcast. We can look ahead a little bit. The team shouldn't do this, but we can. Right. They podcast have, privilege. They have Butler this week. Yeah, it's podcast privilege. They have Butler this week at home. Then they have two road games, but that's the good news. The bad news, the two road games are Georgetown DePaul back-to-back. <laughs> so they're not losing those. Uh, and then they have the big one with Marquette. Now, see, Connecticut has a very tough stretch starting on the 17th with that home game against Marquette because Connecticut goes Marquette at home, at Creighton, Nova at home, Seton Hall at home, at Marquette, at Providence. Right. So, like, the, the, their schedule is a little backloaded, but even so – it's not out of the realm of possibility that Connecticut can win all those games, maybe lose one, right? Because they've right. just been good. They've just been so dominant. So that's why Marquette's biggest thing is just focus on them. Mar- you know, Marquette win Marquette's games. And if we get to the end of the season or we get to the Connecticut game and it means something, great, we'll get really excited about it. But if we get to the Connecticut game and it means nothing, that we're just playing for second, well, they'll just do you the best shot and try to finish second or third in the Big East, and then we'll take our – resume to the selection committee and it will be plenty to be a very high seed in the NCAA tournament so we'll worry about Connecticut when we play Connecticut but um, right now they got a couple games ahead of them but the point is they have to put in the work to at least make the possibility there that those Connecticut games can mean something right well and and to your point even if you even if you say hey Marquette loses both Connecticut games which I'm not willing to concede you know as a total overall 
But it, it, if you make the argument, okay, Connecticut wins both both of those games against Marquette. If Marquette wins the rest of the games as they probably should, though that that Creighton road game is also, you know, a challenging one on the schedule. You know, let's say they go fifteen and five in the Big East, which would give them a twenty four and seven record. You know, with their strength of schedule, that's that's a top three seed, right? And that's that's really what you want out of this team is get get to that three line or above in the NCAA tournament um, and and then see where you can go, right? And it's not that I don't want to win a Big East title or a regular season title or even the Madison Square Garden title, but there's a certain bit of satisfaction that came from winning both of those last year. For me, it's, you know, f- final four or bust, right? Like that's that's where everything goes, right? I don't want to yep. like push all the chips. You know, if you tell me, hey, you can sweep UConn and get a regular season title, but you're going to, you know, lose a player to injury that's going to be important in the NCAA tournament. No deal, right? I, I want the tournament. I want to go deep in the in the NCAA tournament. I don't really care about the regular season as long as we take care of business that we should take care of. Yeah. Yeah, if if you could only have one right now, you want that final four run, right? Like, right. you know, another Big East title would be sweet. I mean, it would be great to do both, of course, but I, I think Marquette fans are all kind of in that boat of and I think the, even the team would probably agree with you, maybe in a private moment. I don't know if they'd say it publicly, but they the regular season is not as important as making that run in March. Like that's what they want to do because they feel like they let one slip away last year and they want to shout at redemption and they want to do something memorable in March. Like the next banner they put up, <clears throat> they would rather it say final four than big East champions. Right. Yep. Exactly. And, and so, you know, again, this is where the run, we got nine games, um, you know, almost exactly 30 days um, to see what this team is capable of. And they're, they're now healthy and, and we start with the National Marquette Day on on February, you know, February 10th against St. John's, and and I'm excited. I'm very excited about that. So uh, you, let's talk about the Johnny's game real quick, then maybe we'll just touch on some National Marquette Day stuff. I feel obligated as a regional group leader to talk about National Marquette Day stuff. <laughs> but um, let's just talk about the game against the Johnnies. And, you know, St. John's, as talented as they are, a bit of a skid for them. I mean, they've lost five out of six. Granted, some tough games in there, including Marquette, and they lost their last one against uh, Connecticut. Um, they've got DePaul coming up this week, so that should be a win, you would hope. Boy, right. that would be dark times for the Johnnies if that's not. But they've got DePaul at home this week. They'll win that one. So then they'll come in. Obviously, with the last game with Marquette literally came down to the final shot. They had a shot in the air to win the game. It didn't fall out, and then... Patino, saw Patino collapse on the sideline as that ball rimmed out. But, um, yeah, you know, St. John's, it's going to be a, a tough game. And, uh, you know, Soriano is, of course, going to be a big problem in the middle for them. Their rebounding is going to cause frustration for Marquette as it did the first time around. But with this game being at home, Phil, uh, of course I feel cautiously optimistic that it's going to go Marquette's way. Um because it, you know, it did the last time, and you know, the the game kind of it got interesting at the end when Marquette just kept missing free throws inexplicably. Like I think that was a, like Tyler missed three at the end of that yes, one. Yes, remember three in a row. Yeah, it's just they just couldn't put them away, and St. John just kept being annoying and making shots. Um, but I I think Marquette's better. 
Marquette's at home. Uh, St. John's is still a strong middle-of-the-pack Big East team that's obviously capable of beating you because they had a shot in the air to do it last time. But uh, I, I feel pretty good um, the way Marquette has been playing lately. If they bring that to Pfizer form on Saturday, I think it's going to be a good day. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, you've, you've got the National Marquette Day crowd. It's a 5 p.m. start, which is, you know, the juices will be flowing uh, for that game. Uh, Blue and Gold Brewing will be releasing the, the McCormick and McCormick Hall inspired beer can um, beverage. Shouts to them. Yeah, I wish uh, I wish that was in stores down here in Texas. But right. I, I am jealous of those who will get to, to sample the new Blue and Gold uh, Brewing beer. That would right. be fun. Yeah. Those so, will sell out like... Hot before hits. tip, they'll they'll be gone before tip. Oh yeah, easy, easy. Um, and I don't I don't have clarity if they're going to be in the stadium now. The seventy sevens were last year, so I would imagine the beer cans will be. But you know, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, I, you know, St. John's absolutely needs it, right? And they they put a game up. You know, they played uh, at home at at MSG against UConn. Uh, this past Saturday, and and they put up a fight for, you know, 36 minutes of that game, Um, you know, had a back and forth affair with UConn and and seemed like maybe they they might have a a shot to do us a favor and pull off the upset, but just didn't have enough. And and I would imagine, you know, similar in in this game, right? Like, I don't I don't think this is going to be a blowout. I don't think this is going to be, you know, Marquette in a cakewalk. Um, I think it may be a bit of a, a of a back and forth, but this is certainly going to be, um, you know, with the energy of the crowd, kind of the way the the team is playing. Um, I, I think Marquette comes out with a real strong opportunity to win, you know, win by, you know, seven, eight points, something like that. I, I don't know that it's going to be as tight or as in doubt as the uh, the previous matchup was. Um, but I, I don't. I also don't expect it to be a bit of a laugher. Yeah, I, I think it'll be you know close within you know three four points one way or the other for most of the day. It like like you said, kind of like against the Connecticut against Connecticut in their previous game. St. John's was in it for most of the day, but at the end, the better team won. Connecticut kind of imposed their will as they have often done the season, and I, I would think maybe in a different way, I, I would expect Marquette to do the same that. The better team will prevail. Marquette will show its moxie. Hope continue to make shots at the rate it has been. And in the end of the day, I think it will just be uh, a little too much for St. John's. And yeah, I'm with you. I think, but you know, they may have to put some hit some free throws late to put it away. And hopefully, those go down a little easier than they did at MSG yep, yep. the last time around. But uh, yeah, I, I I think Marquette wins. You know, breathing room. What, what it's Ken Palm has it at eight. I don't know if I would give St. John's eight. Um, but, you know, maybe they win by five, six points, something like that. But, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. And, yeah, you know, to your point, I think it should be a very rowdy crowd. Yeah, it is National Marquette Day. But this is also the last Saturday home game of the season. Mm-hmm. The only other weekend home game Marquette has left is Xavier. That's a Sunday game on the 25th. So, like, for the out-of-towners, like, this is like – for the if you're, like – from out of town and like not Chicago, so like a pl- like you got to take a flight there. Like this is probably your last chance to get to a game in Milwaukee this season because Saturday, you know, you fly in Saturday, you can fly out Sunday, or you know, fly in late Friday, leave Sunday. Saturdays are easy for the out of town crowd. Sunday games are tougher, um, so I-, I would expect a lot of out of state alumni mm-hmm. in town for this one, for b- because of. 
both it's National Marquette Day and, again, last Saturday home game of the season. So, And at 5 o'clock, man, they're going to be partying all day. Yep. I'm sure, they're going to have everybody's, everybody's going to have a big brunch, probably hit a brewery in the afternoon. Yeah, they're going to be down in those uh, beer cans. That crowd's going to be pretty lubricated by the time that game starts. That, yeah. That's going to be quite a crowd. Yeah. Well, and it's, <laughs> and it's, and it's also – Al's night, right? So it's it like doubles up oh, yeah. because it's it's Al's night. It's always Al's night against the home game against St. John's. Yeah, that's true. So one more thing to one more reason to celebrate. So yeah, big crowd, loud crowd. I expect uh, as Al used to say, he wants to fill the corners. Those corners are going to be filled. I, I would sure. not be surprised if it's a record crowd. Actually, I, I would think so. I mean, if you know, again, the the UConn home game that because that. You know, if if both teams keep winning, that has the potential. That home game has the potential to be a top five matchup. Um, you know, so I would expect that game to be to be filled to the rafters and might be a record. But you know, between that and this National Marquette Day game, those those are going to be the two games left on the schedule that that have a potential to to set a crowd record um, that they had previously set in that in that Creighton game at the end of December. Um, it's just crazy to think about like this, this, you know, we really got to appreciate the games that we got because there are five home games left after, you know, Mar- national Marquette day is, is the one of five home games left. There are only five opportunities to, uh, to see, you know, not, not that I'm saying they're leaving or the, the band's breaking up or whatever, but you know, there's a greater than 0% chance that, uh, Tyler Kolick, Oso Iguodaro, Cam Jones, um, etc., may not be playing together again next year um, in some capacity, and and you've got five more chances to uh, to see them before that that changes next season. So people should really get on the stick and buy some tickets. Yeah, and you know it sounds like you're working for the marketing office there, Phil. But I mean, there's really only three games left because two of those games you mentioned are sold out. I mean, that's the true. National Marquette Day is sold out. The Connecticut game is sold out. Um, there's a limited number available for the other home games left, which would be DePaul. DePaul, that should be an easy Xavier. ticket. Yeah. Uh, Xavier. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, there's and then Providence. So yeah, they got three home games in a row: DePaul, Xavier, Providence to wrap up February. That's it. So yeah, if you uh, want to get to a game, <laughs> tickets going pretty quick, and yet two of those games are sold out. So you have to get them on the secondary market, right? If you want to try to get in on the St. John's game or the Connecticut game, and yeah, I, I'm with you that even if like Marquette does not beat Connecticut at their place, that could still be a top ten and maybe even a top five matchup. Because if, if you go to Connecticut as a top five team and lose, you're probably not going to be punished too much in the standings in the in the in the human polls, right? Um, so it could still be a top five matchup, even if you know Connecticut has the league wrapped up now. By then, um, that is going to, even though it's a Wednesday night, I'm with you that that's going to be. Plus, that's Kolik, Kolik and Oso senior night. Yep, and it is. I'll be curious night. if they yep. like. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be. I'll be curious because they are officially listed as seniors now. They both technically have a COVID year that they could use, but um, I'll be curious if like there is any kind of announcement or, like, indication that, like, yeah, this is it for me. Like, remember when, like, Greg Elliott's senior night, like, yeah. even though he technically could have come back for another year, he kind of basically, in no uncertain sense, said, yeah, this is it for me. Yeah, and I want to come out on senior night. So there will be an indication of what future plans are, is basically what I'm saying, by what is done on senior night. 
Right. Yep. I agree. Well, and but yeah, let's you know, uh, try not to make ourselves cry right now. Let's. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> it's getting a little dusty in here. Let's let let's talk. I, I do want to ask you, what do you think? You you mentioned the chaos in the the standings. I mean, um, the uh, the the big red menace to the west uh, lost twice this week. I hate to see it. Just mm-hmm. it's a darn shame. Um, I've often said that Nebraska is a wonderful state, and all the people who in it live in it should be. Uh, should be celebrated, except for Omaha. Um, but mm-hmm. what, what do you what do you what do you think Marquette's ranked come Monday? Um, that's a good question because <laughs> you know human polls and metrics are you know very different, and like some human voters can be very emotional when they see a loss. It can really move a team down, whereas the metrics probably don't care. Like Marquette may not move at all in relation to some of these teams that have lost. And I guess I could even look at Ken Palm and see where they are. Yeah, they, I mean, they've barely moved. Like, they haven't leap, uh, jumped ahead of too many of the teams that lost this week um, in, in the – but I, I would look at the teams ahead of them. So, obviously, Connecticut's still going to be one. Purdue is still going to be two. Mm-hmm. North Carolina is tricky because – funny thing is, people are listening to this. The poll's already going to be out for a lot of them. But, right. Uh, so Carolina Carolina lost to Georgia Tech, which was kind of a stinker of a loss. But then they went out and beat Duke, who is in the top ten. I could see Marquette jumping over Duke. Because, honestly, I think Marquette probably has a better resume than Duke, if we're being oh, honest. Oh, for sure. For um, sure. Uh, I could see them jumping over Duke. And, and again, I – don't know if you could make an argument that Wisconsin could stay ahead of Marquette with two losses this week because one's on the road and one's to Purdue, but I just think it's tough to not drop a little bit when you have two losses in a week, no matter who they are to. So right. I can see Marquette jumping ahead of Wisconsin this week, and quite frankly, I could make a case that they could jump Houston too. Uh, well, and I, I was no. I was going to say, I mean, the narrative that Houston hasn't played every anyone is kind of alive and well now, right? I mean, yes, they played at the Fog, yep. and, and that's a tough place to play, but their two best mm-hmm. wins are against BYU, who's a metric darling, but I, mm-hmm. and and then Dayton, who gah, just miss me with your Dayton takes. Um, you know, so so Houston hasn't you know, been in that impressive. I, I suspect that the voters won't punish Houston that much for losing at Kansas and Kansas is going to move up, right? Kansas, Kansas yeah, and Kansas Marquette move will up. move up and Wisconsin and Duke. So I, I could see some Tennessee's not going to move Tennessee one. So I could see something like, um, maybe Kansas moves eh, Tennessee. I doubt they jump Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee Kansas. lost to South Carolina this past. Oh, week. they did. You're did. They, you're right. So maybe it goes Connecticut, Purdue, North Carolina, uh, Kansas, and then probably like Tennessee, Houston, Marquette. I could see Marquette jumping Duke in Wisconsin because Duke being a seventh team in the country is hot garbage. They are not good, Duke. Like, they're a top 25 team, but they're not a top 10 team, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah it, it thing is, it's tough with, like, Tennessee because, yeah, they lost to South Carolina, but then they went out and beat uh, number 10 Kentucky. So they kind of had that balance. Right. But um, I would – I think if I'm just guessing on the poll, I'm going to guess it's going to be clearly one UConn, clearly two Purdue. I might move Kansas all the way up to four. Mm. And North Carolina at three or Tennessee at three. It, yeah. I'll, I'll say, I'll say 
ten. I'll, I'll see. Man, because Carolina is Carolina's tricky for me because they lost to Georgia Tech and then beat Duke. Um, so Connecticut, Purdue, gosh, three Kansas, four Houston, five, uh, five, five North Carolina, six Marquette. Okay. I mean, it's something in there, right? Like, I think Marquette's yeah. top seven come, come Monday, right? Yeah, I'll say they definitely jumped Duke. They probably jump Wisconsin, but I would understand your arguments if you say they shouldn't. Um, but I'll say they'll definitely jump Duke, probably jump Wisconsin, maybe maybe jump Tennessee, maybe Houston's a tough one for me. Um, I could make a case for it, but yeah, those are tough. Yeah, I think I think yeah. the challenge is, is, is people are going to look at, if they look at all, right, they're going to look at Marquette and say, oh, they they won two games they should have right and so why right. why would we move them that far but it's also like hey guys they've they've won six in a row like you know that's not not super easy yes yukon's currently doing it but you know like it's it's not it's not an easy thing to do so we'll we'll see and it'll be interesting um and you know quite frankly Again, if if Marquette takes care of business and beats St. John's, and then uh, turns around and uh, and uh, and beats Butler on the road before that UConn game, granted the 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 uh, the stand or the um, uh, the rankings won't be updated after that that Butler game, but you know it at a minimum if Marquette doesn't lose to St. John's, Connecticut and Marquette will be a top ten matchup at a minimum. Yeah, maybe even a top five, but yeah, we'll. Uh, that will be a discussion next week, for sure. Yes, we'll, I'm excited but, for it. If you cannot tell, but uh, but oh. yeah, we we got a game ahead of us to take care of. And I and again, I think we've broke it down enough. I mean, we remember the way the St. John's game went. I think Marquette was the better team for the most part, start to finish. They just couldn't close, uh, and St. John's made it very interesting. But I think Marquette's better. Marquette's at home. I think Marquette wins um, yep. this week on National Marquette Day. So. I agree. Uh, quick plug. F- Sorry, go ahead. A uh, quick plug for National Marquette Day, by the way. Um, if uh, you are not in the greater Milwaukee area and cannot be at the game, there are several watch parties throughout the country. If you are near a big city in the United States, and maybe even outside of the United States, there are actually parties in uh, Paris. And. Mm. I guess that's the only official one I see outside of the United States because Puerto Rico is the United States, but there are two in Puerto Rico. There's one in Hawaii, one in Alaska. But, you know, go to uh, marquette.edu, go to National Marquette Day, and you can see where the watch party is near you. It's a lot of fun. You may be surprised how many Marquette alums live in the city where you are, and they have it broken down by time zone. So, yeah, all over the place from Atlanta to New York to Detroit to San Diego, Portland, Denver, uh, I'm at the one in Dallas-Fort Worth area. I mean, there's one in Memphis, Tennessee, St. Louis. There's a long list there. So be sure to go there. It's a great chance to network, great to meet fellow Marquette alums, and it's just fun to have a watch party on National Marquette Day. Um, and it's our day. It's a fun time to celebrate, and it's a good time to be a Marquette fan. So I strongly encourage you, uh, find the National Marquette Day watch party wherever you are. Go to marquette.edu. It'll be there, and you'll be able to find it. Cool. Get to a party. Enjoy it. And then you can watch those of us attending the game going a little nuts yes definitely have a uh, beer can for me if you don't mind yes oh by the way it is a stripe out so 
Uh, make sure you're oh, yeah. paying. If you are in attendance, make sure you're paying attention. You're either navy blue, championship blue, or gold. And the reason I remember that is because we're always in in the championship blue, and the wife character demands I have to go get her something because it's not a regular Marquette color she has in her repertoire. <laughs> Plano head. Uh, is there, there's like a, a seating chart, like on the social media, on like Marquette yes. social media, as far as so yes. people can see where my section is. Okay. So yeah, there will not be t-shirts given out at the game. You can buy them there, but uh, you can plan ahead make sure you're wearing the right color shirt. So make sure you check that out. Yep. 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 Attention to detail is important. Yeah, it's always a risk when you're putting it in the hand of the fans to make sure the colors are right. If you put the shirts on the seats, you know it's going to be right. But we're right. gonna we're gonna see how well how organized we can be on our own and bringing our own shirts because we all have hundreds of them. I know I have way too many Marquette shirts. I, I finally broke down and I couldn't throw all of them away. I took a bunch of them and I had them. You know you, had, you know those companies where you can send them T-shirts and they make it a blanket and send it back yep. to you. I definitely did that with a bunch of mine. That's a good thing to do if, when you realize okay I have got way more Marquette shirts than I could ever possibly wear but we've all got tons we, we've all have dozens so if, if, sure if you you're bringing a friend to a game donate the appropriate color to them just you know yes you know make make sure you plan accordingly yeah and if you got little ones that don't have them hit the spirit shop for the game right they'll, they'll right. hook you up exactly they're all right anything else you want to break down for or do you want to do we want to do any more plugs for the university for free <laughs> i i you know and until we start getting paid by the university i feel like we've done enough <laughs> i think we've done plenty of work for them uh as always folks you can hit us up on uh x twitter uh i'm joe mccann three phil is m o o o f 23 at crack sidewalks is the team handling go to cracksidewalks.com. we post the podcast there you can leave comments on the website and remember to go to apple Podcasts and spotify rate review and subscribe. Enjoy the week off, and then enjoy your National Marquette Day, everybody. Phil, uh, you have a good time, and again, make sure you have a couple uh, beer cans for me. Uh, I will have at least two for you, and then seven for me. (laughs) Sounds good. Have a good National Marquette Day, everybody. Seashells and balloons.